Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you so much for joining us. Here we are at midweek. What a busy week it is. We thank you for letting us be part of your day. We're going to um, take a look at CFAP 2.0. We're going to get some analysis of it from Michael Nevue, economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation. We're going to talk markets with Steve Nicholson with Bravo AgriFinance. And we'll get a harvest report from Eastern Kansas. Ken McCauley will join us a little bit later on to tell us how his harvest is going. But we're going to start it off with the big news that, of course, the House has agreed to a a stopgap funding bill to keep the government open. Let's bring in Phil Brasher from AgriPulse Communications. Phil, thanks for joining us. Uh, Agriculture found itself right in the midst of this debate over uh, a funding bill for the government when it came to uh, money going in to replenish the Commodity Credit Corporation. Uh, They finally worked out a deal in the House. Tell us what's in it when it comes to agriculture. Well, it's very clear. It's uh, this is second time of the year we've uh, second time in a row, two years in a row that this is this has actually happened where Democrats have uh, in the House have uh, either taken steps uh, to uh, stop the replenishing of this commodity credit corporation account. It's the account that USDA uses to make farm program payments, and it's also the account that. Uh, uh, the uh, Trump administration has tapped to make these special payments under the market facilitation program and now the uh, CFAP, the coronavirus uh, relief uh, payments. Uh, and according to uh, sources on uh, uh, Capitol Hill that are close to USDA, they were down to about $1.7 billion, or uh, would be on October 1st. And it's October when all of those payments have to go out to uh, farmers and uh, people with uh, Conservation Reserve Program uh, uh, acreage and so forth. What happened last night is the House, uh, they reached, the House Democrats reached a deal. They were let in, they agreed to fund uh, the CCC. Uh, that bill passed the House easily, now goes to the Senate. Much of the battle is now over more and more. Who has oversight over that money? Do you just turn it over to USDA and and they make the decisions? Seems like uh, House Democrats are wanting more controls, more strings attached to that. Were there any strings attached to this money that goes back into well, CCC? Yeah, there was one string attached, and uh, it uh, basically would prohibit uh, USDA or the administration from using any CCC money to provide to oil refiners been denied waivers uh, from RFS requirements, the Renewable Fuel Standard. Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue had already come out this week and said that the law didn't allow them to do that. Democrats got the language in there anyway. It's important to step back, though. This, The way the administration, to the extent to which the administration has used the CCC, is really unprecedented. And it took a change by Congress for them to be able to do that because Republicans didn't like it when the Obama administration used this back in 2010 to a much smaller extent, so they had put a prohibition 
put some restrictions in there on what uh, USDA could do. Those were lifted, and uh, this administration has used it in a big way. Can any money be used for direct payments to the biofuels industry, something that Secretary Purdue has said that he can't really do without direct guidance from Congress to use that money for that? So he can't use it for oil. Can he use it for ethanol? Well, that's a big, big question. Uh, there is very interesting language in there that exempts, uh, specifically exempts biofuels from the uh, uh, the uh, prohibition on payments to uh, uh, refiners. I got some differing interpretations from industry officials uh, last night on what this meant, uh, how it might be interpreted. Uh, some thought it was it would only... Uh, ensure that they could keep providing support for infrastructure, blender pumps, and so forth. Uh, but there was some thinking that maybe it uh, would open the door to uh, payments to ethanol producers. We'll have to see it. That would all depend on how USDA interpreted it. Yeah, we'll watch that one. Uh, a lot of the debate has also been over uh, feeding programs, food programs. Uh, what's What does this tell us now about how that will proceed? Well, as part of this deal, the Democrats got some extension of uh, some of the uh, uh, extra nutrition assistance that had been provided back as the Congress had authorized back in March. Uh, some of that was expiring. Authority was expiring on September 30th. Uh, that was extended as part of this uh, agreement uh, that was reached yesterday. All right. So the pressure was on to get something done to keep the government uh, running uh, until December anyway. So that was a deadline and pressure there. But what about now with all the focus on replacing uh, Justice Ginsburg on the bench, does that take away, you think, the chances of getting another COVID aid package done, or do you think they'll still get be able to come to some agreement on that? Well, that's uh, it. It's there's been very little sign of progress on that. And now, as you mentioned, the whole Supreme Court issue has been dropped in the middle of this. Uh, the one big uh, um, issue that's still still out there that might get some action is what's going on in the airline industry. The airlines say they are very close to having to lay off thousands of uh, people um, across the country. And obviously that's been closely watched. Certainly uh, a lot of support for doing that or whether they could get anything done in the next few days uh, remains to be seen. Haven't seen much sign of progress, that's certain. Yeah, now all with all the focus on the Supreme Court, it would seem to make it even harder, although, as you said, there, there seemingly would be some pressure, especially going into an election, to address some of these areas of need. Could be. There's uh, also, uh, if you're a Democrat, do you uh, do you want to uh, make a deal now, or if you think you're going to uh, um, get control of uh, the Senate and the White House, do you want to wait until later? A lot of strategy going on here, and uh, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. But uh, it's uh, getting tougher and tougher uh, by the day. Boy, these next few days, and there aren't that many now between now and the election, uh, uh, kind of hang on to your hat, right? I mean, just we're seeing so, so much happen here and so many different things with long-lasting implications. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, what a year it's been. <laughs> it's not over yet. And not over yet. All right. Phil, as always, thank you. Appreciate your perspective as you're covering these events in our nation's capital. Thank you. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks, Mike. Phil Brashier with AgriPulse Communications. So they do have a deal in the House uh, for a continuing resolution that would replenish funding for the CCC, which, of course, means there's money for USDA to do different types of programs, including CFAP 2.0. We're going to look at that next with American Farm Bureau economist Michael Nevue will break down CFAP 2.0. How is it similar? How is it different to the first round? And what are his thoughts on how it's being handled? That's coming up next here on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Adams on Agriculture. Conversations with policymakers, the movers and shakers in the ag industry, the pros and cons of issues important to you. Cutting through the spin to get to the heart of a topic and giving you the information you need to know. Every weekday, Mike Adams brings you guests important to the ag industry. It's quite simply information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. When it comes to powering your diesel equipment, Diesel X Gold from FS outshines all the rest. Diesel X Gold has been reformulated to restore lost power with new detergency that cleans up and prevents sticky internal injector deposits and traditional carbon deposits. So when you need more power to work the fields or drive down the highway, fuel your equipment with Diesel X Gold from FS. Contact your local FS energy specialist today and power your equipment with Diesel X Gold. Absolutely the best fuel to power and protect diesel engines. Visit GoFurtherWithFS.com for more information. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, we finally have confirmation of the decision to deny those gap year waivers to the renewable fuel standard. Joining us now is Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Your thoughts? Announcement from EPA that they are rejecting these gap year small refinery exemption petitions is is great news for the industry. It's a big step forward. And the best part about it is it's official. It's a final action. We don't have to wait for EPA to do anything else. You know, it's not a a commitment or a promise that something may happen. It it happened. The memo that came out from EPA yesterday, we believe, should put the nail in the coffin for these gap year waivers and and hopefully put that big mess uh, that EPA created for itself behind us and and we can get back to implementing the RFS and, and, you know, honoring the congressional intent with this program. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. 
Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, now that we know that there will be money in the Commodity Credit Corporation Fund, now we look at some of the ways it will be spent, including CFAP 2.0. Let's talk about that with Michael Nevue, Farm Bureau economist. Michael, thank you for joining us. Um, first of all, that was obviously a, a big step. You had to have money in the in the uh, account, right? And uh, got a big step in that direction with the House coming to an agreement on the CR last night. No, absolutely. That's a that's a really big step. We're we're very happy with it. Um, that it's absolutely critical that the CCC was uh, replenished in order for not only uh, these payments, but you know we're getting into fall when they have all their other obligations under their normal farm bill programs, such as our PLC. So it was it was absolutely a critical step for that uh, CCC to get replenished. All right, let's look at CFAP 2.0. As you look at it and compare it to the first round, what stands out to you as far as how it's similar or how it's different? Uh, Well, one way that uh, I can say right off the bat that it is different, but I I think it's going to be welcome news to a lot of producers, is there's no second tranche of payments. So if you remember that CFAP 1, uh, they made 80% of the payment, and then they're basically waiting for more money later in the summer before they gave out the other 20%. Um, of the payment, this one uh, one check uh, will cover all, all the um, all the all the different uh, program participation for these folks. Uh, the way it's basically structured is a little bit different. So there's going to be three uh, categories of payments uh, for commodities. You have price trigger commodities, which are going to have to suffer a five percent or greater uh, national price decline uh, from early January to late July. And then we have what's called flat rate commodities, which are uh, ones that aren't eligible under that, or if they just don't have price data on it. Uh, that was a whole deal in, in CFAP one. There's a lot of a lot of commodities out there where they just didn't have the information for it. So that's one where we, we if you don't have price information, then you fall under that, and that is a $15 per acre uh, payment. And then we have what's called sales-based commodities, which is going to be uh, based on your 2019 sales and how big those were they will give you a percentage payment of your 2019 sales. So at last word, they'd, they had sent out about $11 billion, $10.5 billion of in the first round. Uh, there was a lot, of, um, a lot of speculation and a lot of uh, you know, curiosity about why those payments didn't go out or why the money didn't go out, more of it didn't go out faster. And maybe some of it was, for, you know, people didn't understand or weren't aware or whatever or, or different things. But there were a lot of questions about that. I, I kind of thought it would go out a lot faster than it did. Do you anticipate th- this round will go, the money will go out faster? Uh, I, you know, I, I genuinely think that's going to be the case. Um, you know, last time I, I do think there was an education issue. Um, there's also maybe in some cases a program design issue. This had to remember, keep in mind the speed with which they are trying to get that program out. Um, there are a few things where, you know, no, no matter how good you are at, at putting those things together, there's going to be a few things left off. So we still, hopefully, we're going to see, see uh, 
things like that fixed this time. I think if you're an agricultural producer and you haven't heard of CFAP2 by the time this media blitz is over, um, it's going to be pretty hard to find them. I, I think most people should should be aware of this at this point. And, we, and for those who aren't, we just got to do a better job of getting the word out there. Um, I do think money's probably going to go out faster. Uh, I think it's a little bit more simplified. Uh, last time, like I mentioned, you had a lot of specialty crops. There was a lot of confusion around how they could even apply. How do they show that they suffered a price decline? Well, this, I think it simplifies that aspect of it and says, if you don't have data, uh, here's what you get. Um, and I, I also point out, you know, last time there were a lot of a lot of cow-calf folks out there who are unsure on the – they based it off of inventory versus uh, actual sales. There's a lot of confusion around here. Here, it's a payment rate based on eligible animals. Uh, I, I do think this is a more simplified program. We're talking with American Farm Bureau economist Michael Nevue looking at CFAP 2.0. So they expanded. They included even more commodities in this second round. Are there any other um, – glaring omissions or or groups out there commodities out there still feeling that they've been left out uh yeah one that immediately comes to mind and this isn't an oversight by usda usda makes this makes a case that it's a legal authority issue that they don't have the legal authority to do this uh, but any producer growing a commodity uh, under contract for another entity so you think that immediately goes to a lot of poultry producers are left out of this one and they're suffering bad right now they're empty barns uh they're not they're, they're losing a lot of revenue and since they don't own the commodity that they're raising and this isn't just poultry it also applies to a lot of hog producers as well um that that's one that it's left out and it's something that needs to be fixed but usda is uh, saying that it can only be fixed uh, at, at uh, the legislative level uh, that they just don't have the authority to do that hmm. so in the first round they made it clear they were keeping an open mind and would consider uh, adding commodities, which they wound up doing. Is there not that provision in this round? Uh, it, it, it's not necessarily that there's a provision in place. And USDA's press release, uh, they did uh, make the case that, you know, if you're not sure that you're covered, we still encourage you to apply. So I do still think that uh, there, are, there are producers, who, apart from the ones where they specifically tell you that you're ineligible, uh, like those contract growers or, you know, companion animals, I guess, or breeding stock uh, for some animals. Uh, it's, you know, if if you're not sure, then go ahead and apply. Uh, you might still be able to get in under that sales commodities-based approach. What are your thoughts, Michael, on the formula that has been used in, in round one and now round two uh, as far as the equities of it, the inequities of it? Uh, what are your thoughts on overall how they're approaching this? You know, uh, really, the, the I guess there's a few ways to interpret that question. The, the payments are, are going to where the greatest damage uh, was done uh, by a lot of this. So if this one, what we can look at the expected payouts. Uh, corn is a pretty big chunk of this. Uh, beef cattle is another big chunk. The last the last round, a lot of livestock uh, was was uh, covered under the CFAP one. Uh, a lot of the dollars went to them, and you know, quite frankly, that that's an area where it's you know it's a non-storable commodity. It, it it they were really hit hard by a lot of those labor issues, and livestock producers in particular were were really hit. So I, I do think that the money is flowing. And if you look at, I know there's some regional discussions uh, about payment rates, but if you look at where the money is actually going, it's mostly going to those midwestern states uh, in terms of overall dollars flowing into those states. So uh, you know. 
personally, and this is maybe not an AFBS position, but a Michael Nevy position, is, you know, I think the SEA did a pretty good job of figuring that out. There still seems to be a question of whether or not money can go to the ethanol industry. Uh, Secretary Purdue saying he needs, uh, you know, more direction. He would need, uh, you know, be told that by Congress that he can't just do that on his on his own. It, but that seems to be open somewhat to interpretation, especially with in this new uh, agreement with the House. Uh, what, how do you read it? Uh, it, it? Under you're right. I guess that's something I, I, I could have mentioned earlier is the ethanol being left out in particular out of CFAP one. Um, they they can try and make up for it with uh, additional payments to corn producers, but until we fi- fix the issue of, of declining ethanol demand as a result of people not driving their cars during this time, um, I honestly I don't have enough knowledge about what is in the text at this point of what just got passed, uh, and I know there's been some versions floating around on the Hill as well of uh, specifically. Um, making ethanol producers um, el- eligible as, as well as contract producers and, and euthanized animals eligible for payment as well. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what all was included in the most recent uh, CCC language, uh, personally. It, it just went through last comes night. Down to, <laughs> comes down to that refiner's issue, doesn't it? Sorry? What's it? It kind of comes down to that definition of refiners and that issue as far as who gets money. Um, you know, again, I, I haven't had an, enough time to, to read through all the text of, of what, what went through last night in terms of uh, language being included about whether or not refiners would be eligible for, for that. Yeah. Yeah, we'll kind of wait and see how that uh, plays out. But, uh, you know, a lot of folks in the biofuels industry are wondering how that will if this time they'll be included or not. All right, uh, Michael, there is a lot to look at here, but uh, a step in the right direction. At least there's money in the account, and then we'll see how it goes out <laughs> from here on. Thank you for very much, and we'll stay in touch. Thanks, Michael. Thank you. Michael Nevue, American Farm Bureau economist, looking at CFAP 2.0, and again, uh, still trying to break down everything in that uh, agreement just late yesterday by the House on uh, Uh, funding for the government, including money back in the Commodity Credit Corporation Fund. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk markets with Steve Nicholson with Robo AgriFinance. We're going to take a look at, uh, uh, hey, can this rally, especially in beans, can this last uh, into uh, a harvest season with a big crop coming in? Maybe not as big as we thought, but still a big crop. We'll talk about that, export numbers and more. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Hey, Dad, your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad, your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. 
thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org slash caregiving. That's aarp.org slash caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Soybean futures trending firm to two cents higher an hour into the trading day. We had an easier tone in the overnight session. China, once again, a major buyer of U.S. soybean exports, with USDA confirming Wednesday another 132,000 metric tons of soybeans being sold to China, as well as 126,000 tons of soybeans to unknown destinations. Sales have been announced every day so far this week and for the majority of the days so far this month. November soybeans an hour in two and a half cents higher at ten twenty two and a half. January ten twenty six and three quarters up two and a quarter. In corn, December new crop down a penny at three sixty eight and a quarter. March down a penny at three seventy seven and three quarters of a cent. Today's weather maps remaining mostly dry across the corn belt with rain from tropical storm Beta hanging around in the Mississippi Delta. In the wheat futures, Chicago December down four at five fifty-four. Kansas City December down two at four eighty-nine and three quarters. Minneapolis spring wheat December down two and a half at five thirty-seven and a quarter cent. For livestock and American live cattle futures, October fifty-five cents higher at one hundred seven oh two. December up a dollar seven at one eleven twenty-five. Feeder cattle October up 65 at 141.27. Lean hog futures October up 47 at 68.80. December down 27, 63.82. On Wall Street, the Dow up 40 points. November crude oil down 17 cents. You're listening to AOA. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. The Home Service Club sponsors this paid advertisement. Attention homeowners. Broken AC, $4,600. Water heater, $1,500. Fridge on the fritz, $1,000. You need home warranty coverage from the Home Service Club. For around a dollar a day, if any of your covered appliances and systems break down, HSC will either do the repair or replace them. HSC has over 15,000 pre-screened, highly rated technicians with the fastest response time in the industry. HSC provides coverage for up to 47 different appliances and systems in your home. Call for a free, no-obligation quote from a trusted HSC service specialist about a home warranty for your entire home, all backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. 800-434-5301. Call now and get your first month free, plus $75 off your first year. 800-434-5301. 800-434-5301. That's 800-434-5301. 800-434-5301. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. And we're joined now by grain and oil seeds analyst for Robo AgriFinance, Steve Nicholson. Steve, thanks for joining us. Interesting time that I don't think many saw this coming back in, say, midsummer, that we would be in beginning of a harvest that's going to be not record, but a very good harvest, a big harvest, 
And we're seeing a lot of sales and a, a rally, especially in soybeans on the markets. Who would have thought all this would have come together like this? Yeah, good morning, Mike. Absolutely. I mean, we think about where we were midsummer, and we're, there were some concerns about drought, and then, of course, all the storms, and then you get to harvest, and, you know, early numbers that you hear continue to be good yields for, for soybeans, particularly, I keep hearing. Um, you know, corn is, we were just starting to get into corn, so we don't really know a lot about the corn yields. But then, yeah, on top of that, you get to this situation where you have this continuing buying, you know, day after day from China. And that certainly has been very supportive to, to the futures market. Um, we have not necessarily seen that reflected in interior basis levels yet. Uh, we've certainly seen it reflected in Gulf bases on beans, uh, you know, at levels we haven't seen since really four years ago at this point. So, yeah, it's, it's really kind of a remarkable situation that we're in. And, and I think it's, you know, I'll be honest, in some ways my, my thoughts have evolved a little bit about, you know, how much China will take. Um, and I think there's, I think there's on the horizon where they're going to be taking sufficient amount of commodities for several years, you know, here, you know, going forward. Uh, because they need them. I mean, the bottom line is they need them. And I think the coronavirus and, and talking to my colleagues in, in Shanghai, you know, he talked about, you know, food security is a big issue that the Chinese are dealing with. And that, you know, that kind of stems from both the coronavirus and also stems from the fact that, you know, their stock levels, when you look at feed grains in particular, have come down quite a bit. They just, they just need, they need stuff. And so they're buying it. So the short-term question would be, with all these purchases they've made, does that kind of catch them up for what they need now, or is this buying going to continue for a while? His, his response to me when I asked him that very question, I said, how long is this going to go on? And, and his response is it will continue. This is not going to go away anytime soon. Um, they're not only trying to kind of make up, you know, short-term issues as far as stock levels, short-term demand. Uh, you know, you think about what's happening with hogs and the fact that they're bringing hogs back. You know, they're, you know, they're bringing their herds back, so they need the soybeans for, for, for hog feed along with, I mean, they need the meal and they need the corn for that. You know, they're restocking their corn stocks. But it, it does go back to the food tradition. They want to be in a position where they have a food. They don't want to be caught if you have it um, short. And so I think this is a little bit of all those things that you that you you know propose in your question, rebuilding along with making sure they've got enough to keep them moving for a while if there is a disruption like we had last you know last winter early spring. Okay, so the marketing question for farmers, uh, yeah, now seeing beans up already higher than they thought they would probably be at this time. Certainly, do you sell or? Do you count on, you know, it's this rally is going to continue because China is going to keep buying? Yeah, this is a really hard question. And we talked about this, as I say, we were, I was talking to my, to my colleague in China along with my Asian colleague last night. It's a really tough question. It was a question that they asked as well. I, I think when I think about beans, I have a lot of mixed emotions about beans and what do we do from here. So let's think about where we are. And I always go back to the question is, well, if I told you two months ago we'd be here, what would you be doing? And the answer inevitably is always, boy, I'd be, if we could just get there, I'd be selling beans. So I always sort of remind producers, think about what you thought would be a good place to go or to do 
and you're here now, so why are you not doing something? That's my first question. Now, beans to me, too, though, you know, you have to look, and as the banker, um, coming from a banking perspective, we always look at that, what's that cost of production, and can you, um, can you put, um, can you make a profit? Can you, sell, can you sell here and lock a margin in? And we always tell them, if, that is a, if you can do that, then you need to be doing that and taking, taking advantage of the, what the market's given you. And that's kind of the third thing. The market has given you an opportunity. Let's not squander it. And I think lastly, and I, and I want to talk about this, and this is where it gets a, a difficult situation or a difficult marketing decision. You know, right now, assuming what we know about beans and what China's bought now, we've seen this rally in the market. And if you look technically at the market, the market looks a little toppy, and you look at some of the technical indicators, the market appears to be pretty oversold. And so there's chances are we'll see, we'll see this market sell off here, particularly as we get into harvest and we see, and, and assuming we continue to see good production, good yields out, out of the country. So the market looks like it could be a little toppy here. So that's something to keep in mind. Keep in mind, too, that when we've seen these rallies over the last several years, and I don't really care which commodity is, they're fairly short-lived. That You get that pop-up, and then it, it gets sold off, and then you don't see it again. So keep that in mind. But the one thing I am watching very carefully, and I, this is not – this is a fundamental discussion about if the Chinese continue to buy beans at a pretty rapid pace as they are, and let's say they buy a few more, and that and we see our stocks to use rate, our stocks and our stocks to use ratio continue contracting U.S. beans. There is probably some upside here, but I don't want to leave that you know kind of dangling there as like oh boy it's just you know the old hope thing it's going to get higher. But let's let's make rational economic decisions here. It doesn't say you sell the whole you know sell the whole farm. Get lay in some good you know some good margins. Get them taken care of and go from there. Keep in mind, let's say it does rally some more, and you've sold 60% of your crop for this, you know, this year's crop. That leaves you still some yet to sell. There's also still next year. So let's think about if you see that rally, and let's sell next year's crop. Now, granted, the market right now is still an inverse to the new crop because it wants the beans now. But and then, and then finally, I'll say, keep in mind if the market continues to stay at these levels or higher, what will be the response next year? you'll see an increase in soybean acres and that will be bearish to the market. So there's a lot to consider and, and mm -hmm. think about, but let's make rational economic decisions about your business. All right. We're talking with Steve Nicholson with Robo Agrofinance. Let's uh, touch on corn. Uh, I know there were early stages of harvest, but there've been some premiums offered to get to entice some corn to, you know, come in early. Yep. Uh, what do you see this market doing? Yeah. You know, I have seen that as well, and I was a little surprised the last several days you saw corn bases kind of pop up a little bit, telling, you know, giving indication that people aren't moving corn in the channels and that, you know, the markets need them. So, you know, when I think about corn, it's it's a much different situation than beans. And not that, you know, we've got good corn sales to China. I think those will continue to be good as well. Uh, but, of course, you know, corn's a much bigger crop, uh, a lot more going on there. I think when I think about corn, it's a little different situation and the market structure a little bit different. It is telling you, the market's telling you it doesn't want your corn right now. It's willing to pay you, and I'm going to put that in quotes, to store that corn for a later date. And, and that's a little bit, of, and I'm going to, you know, this is sort of my, the analysis and the coaching side. 
when you look at where the corn is, and we're going to kind of divide the, the Corn Belt by the Mississippi River, you know, the Eastern Corn Belt is always a deficit corn area. You know, they have a crop this year that they didn't have last year, so basis levels are a little wider out there. But we also know as we go through the crop here, they're going to run out of corn for whether it's their own usage or the southeast poultry. Now, you go west of Mississippi, particularly Iowa, you've got some you've got some issues. And Iowa, of course, uses a lot of corn. Some people would claim it's a corn deficit state. I'm not sure I'm in that camp yet. But the fact is they probably are going to be a corn deficit state this year. And as we get into the spring and we get into summer next year, Iowa is going to be reaching farther and farther to get corn. And so they're likely going to reach west into Nebraska, Minnesota, the Dakotas, where there is corn, and raise, you know, raise basis levels not only domestically in Iowa, but in the in surrounding states. So I would think when you look at that going forward, there's where the opportunity will be for corn farmers, is to, and it's going to be in the basis side, to look for basis going forward. I think the other thing to think about when we come to next spring and think about acreage, do you expect to see a lot more corn acreage right now? Probably not. Um, could you see a, a flat? Yeah, you could. But if you have more bean acres, you're probably going to get more sorghum acres as well. You could see a little bit of flat to a little bit down corn acres, which would be you know friendly to the corn market going forward. So I think there's some opportunities down the road for corn farmers that they may not see right now, but it goes back to what we just said about beans. Think about where the corn market is. Can you make money selling corn at these prices? And if you can, you need to take a bite of that apple. Well, that's interesting. We're already setting the stage maybe for uh, planted acres next year, right? Yep. Absolutely. And, you know, you look at farmers, look at these prices, looking at what, you know, what they can get because, you know, it's been a rough year um, on all bunch of fronts. But, you know, and I think you think of these prices and think, hmm, I maybe need to do something now with this crop and maybe the new crop. And, and lock in some numbers, which is going to set the stage, as you very well said, in your, I think, for higher acreage next year versus what we saw this year. A lot for farmers to think about as they're on those combines yeah. this fall. <laughs> That's right. There's going to be a lot of things to think about, and I would certainly encourage them, you know, you know, make those decisions. Um, you know, they may want to have someone else run those combines where they kind of put pencil to paper and kind of, you know, They'll, you know, kind of figure this out because I think there are opportunities. And as we've said before, mm-hmm. when the market gives you opportunities, you have to take those opportunities. All right, Steve. Good, good stuff. Thanks for uh, laying out that perspective for us. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Good to talk to you as always. Steve Nicholson with Robo AgriFinance. Yeah, a lot to consider here in these uh, marketing decisions. Interesting times as this harvest season's underway. We're going to talk about harvest in eastern Kansas. Ken McCauley joins us next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. I can't get my computer to work. Let me help you with that. How'd you do that? I just got techie with Geeks On Site. Our geeks literally come on site. No need to stop what you're doing or block off time. We come to your home, office, or wherever you are. And we don't just fix whatever computer issues you might be having. We explain and teach you along the way so you can feel empowered and then help others at home or in your office. Better yet, don't have time for tech support to come to you? Let us remote into your desktop or laptop, and one of our geeks will instantly walk you through. 
We offer affordable prices on our remote services and IT support. You and those in your office will never have to wait hours to have your technical questions answered. Get your free computer diagnosis today with your very own geek. Get started now and we'll help you instantly. Call 866-967-3879. 866-967-3879. That's 866-967-3879. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor. Restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe... Someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Peak performance at harvest is a necessity. It's our expertise. Producers who look to have a successful harvest turn to FS. Our grain systems experts reduce downtime by offering the latest products, innovations, and knowledge to your grain operation. Whether you need a part in a hurry or advice on your equipment, we'll keep you running. At FS, we're always looking for ways to optimize your grain system and ensure during harvest your operation is ready for what's next. So visit FSSystem.com and let's get you headed towards your next success. FS, bringing you what's next. A toast to soil health. More and more landowners and their farmers are celebrating healthy soil for good reason. Because farmers who use soil health building practices like no-till and cover crops and who use diverse species and rotations report greater farm productivity, profitability, and resiliency. So here's to your soil's health. Contact your local USDA Natural Resources Conservation Service office today and learn how to unlock the secrets in your soil. This message brought to you by USDA and this radio station. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, farm radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. Recently on Adams on Agriculture. We're joined now by Kurt Kavarik, Vice President, Federal Affairs for the National Biodiesel Board. When you got the confirmation that EPA is going to deny those gap year waivers to the renewable fuel standard, was it a sigh of relief or a celebration for you? Mike, well, I'm, I'm going to say it was close to a celebration for us. You know, we, we greatly appreciate and applaud this decision by the EPA to uh, put to bed 
this nonsense and absurdity that small refiners have been using to you know, undermine the renewable fuel standard and, and business certainty that was supposed to be created by this law. It shouldn't have been this hard. There should not have uh, needed to be this much work by you know Senator Ernst and Senator Grassley and Governor Reynolds and others to convince the administration to simply do the right thing. This was a no-brainer, but at the end of the day, I think it is positive news. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Let's get a harvest report from eastern Kansas. Ken McCauley joins us now. Ken, good to talk with you. How's it going? Good to talk to you, Mike. It's, uh, harvest is going well. It's a perfect weather. The corn is finally drying down. The dryer is kicking it out pretty good now. We were in... Couldn't get corn down below 24, 25, and now we're down into the 20, 21, and, and uh, the yields are, are really good. So it seems like everybody around here is pretty happy. What about uh, when you say they're pretty good, are they as good as you thought they were going to be a few weeks ago, or did you get that dry weather in August that might have taken some off the top? I don't think that the August dry heat or any of that hurt the corn. Uh, we're we're still in kind of what we expected. We're in a lot of corn over 200, and uh, we really haven't got into our best corn yet. We had some wind damage, and it still yielded much better than than we thought it would, according to the wind damage. But uh, you know, top yields are still still up there. You know, quite a bit above 200. Uh, we had one field went 235 the other day, and uh, was really happy about that. And I think. You know, we've got quite a bit more of that, maybe even a little better. So, but guys aren't really talking. It's uh, the first, you know, the first yield doesn't have a chance because somebody's probably going to beat you. <laughs> Test weights good? <laughs> Test weights are, are coming up. You know how it starts out. You're a little low on test weight. And uh, we hauled out yesterday and got up over 60 pounds. So that's a that's a good sign that, uh, that the the drier corn, you know, you gain test weight as it matures in the field. And uh, other than that, the soybeans, I think there'll be some guys pull pull into the soybean fields on those early planted beans this weekend. This heat yesterday, we finally got some full sun, and you could feel the heat from the sun when we got through that smoke. And it's cloudy today, but you can see the soybeans coming around really fast here. Well, with the rally in the soybean market, uh, even more, <laughs> might be more anxious to get to those beans. Well, uh, yeah, you talk about the cash market at harvest time. You probably, you know, we, we sold some, and I don't know how big the lines are going to be, but, you know, you got to expect that for harvest. But it doesn't sound like it's going to be a terrible, terrible glut. So we're hoping that, you know, we can get many as we can uh, into, into this good price. But, uh, you know, we're living in volatile times, and why wouldn't the commodity markets be just as volatile? You look at, <laughs> one day they're up big, and the next day they're down bigger. So we just got to live with that, I guess. The weather, I mean, it's been an amazing stretch of weather uh, for harvest. Uh, how dry are you in eastern Kansas? Oh, I'd say we're in pretty good shape. The topsoil's getting dry, but 
you know, it's perfect for drying the crops down. I haven't complained one bit. If we get another two weeks of this, it'd be just really good. Uh, we're getting the, the corn out on the, the, the roads that could turn muddy, and that's that's always a good feeling. But our subsoils are good. There's still some wet spots around, but, you know, you don't see any combines going around places like that. But I'd call our subsoil really, you know, in good shape. That's good to hear. Um, what about the quality? I mean, have you did you have much disease or insect uh, issues this year? No, we didn't. Uh, we sprayed fungicide on on most of the corn and and all of the soybeans, and uh, just didn't know if we needed it or not. Uh, some guys are saying that they don't see a lot of difference, and then the other ones you hear that that they did. But uh, insects, I you know, we had some Japanese beetles early. And then they just didn't seem to get worse. So maybe maybe they just had a life cycle there that uh, they just kind of exploded and went away. But uh, didn't really have much. We saw some insects in the soybeans, and we treated treated those when we uh, put the fungicide on, and they kind of went away. But I can't tell whether we the sudden death that we thought we were going to have in the soybeans what effect it had. You never really know until you get in there, and and, and the combine goes quiet. We'll find yeah. that out pretty soon, I guess. But the soybean yields look like they're going to be really good. Uh, you know, it's probably not record good, but, you know, we're probably in the high 60s maybe on the low 70s on the really good ones. We'll probably bump up into above that on some fields. But, uh, you know, for that price, that really makes soybeans look, look profitable. Yes. Where are you compared to a year ago as far as getting started and how far along you are? I think we're right on track with a year ago. We started about the same time, and we kind of chug along. But if we could have another week of this, uh, we'll have we'll be you know down to the last third of corn when we start soybeans, and that's kind of what we usually are. Uh, a lot of guys like to try to finish corn, and not sure that's going to happen on very many farms. But uh, soybeans, when you when you get a good stretch of dry weather, you better get them because it's Wet weather, foggy weather like we've had the last few days or week, uh, that's not good for soybean cutting, and you don't get much done during the day. So we're, if we get a good stretch of weather next week and can cut beans, we'll pull off and do that. Mm-hmm. And what's your forecast looking like right now? I think it's it's supposed to be hot this weekend, and that's going to bring them around pretty good, dry the corn out a little more, and then next week I think cooling off a little bit. There's not much rain in the forecast, and you know, I I still think that's a good thing because we <laughs> it'd be great just to work three weeks, four weeks straight. That that'd be really odd for uh, Northeast Kansas. All right. Well, yeah, I talked to our buddy Gene Miller the the other day, and he's he's rolling along, but he said he sure his wasn't as good as yours, though. Well, you know, Gene always wishes wishes that he could be like us and I think he really is just as good as as his neighbors to the west. He just he just always always looking at the grass is greener on the other side. So I, <laughs> I think Gene's just doing fine. I might have to get you both on together and let you uh, kind of uh, hash this out between you on the air one of these days. Ken, good to talk with you again. Uh, hope the rest of your harvest goes uh, well. Be safe and we'll, we'll stay in touch. Thanks a lot. Well, thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Take care. Ken McCauley farms in northeast Kansas, and uh, sounds like harvest is off to a good start for them. All right, coming up tomorrow, more on uh, the um, 
CCC funding, part of the re- uh, continuing resolution to keep the government open. We'll have more harvest reports and much more for you right here on AOA. Stay safe, everyone.